Blog Talk Radio. The Amethyst Oracle, Divination with a Queer Twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Delve into life, death, and everything betwixt, between, and beyond. Between, and beyond. Between, and beyond. With a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Divination is a queer twist. Welcome, welcome everyone to the show. Thank you so much for joining me here at the Amethyst Oracle. My name is Heisey and I am your host for this evening's show. And just a little housekeeping, I will let you know that you can like us on Facebook, just uh, the Amethyst Oracle, if you either want to search for it or you can just go to facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle. You can also um, like the Soulvox Network page. Just do a quick search for Soulvox, and that page will pop right up as well if you'd like to be kept informed of all of the different shows that we air here on the network. And if you would like to find out more information about me, I am a professional tarot reader as well as a magic and ritual consultant. And if you would like more information about that, you can read more information at tarotbyhighc.net. You can also find me on Facebook, just look for Tarot by High C or go to facebook.com slash Tarot High C. And you can also email me. The email address is High C, H I C, at Tarot by High C dot net. I'm very excited about our guest this evening. Um, she is going to talk about a very interesting way of integrating and merging two different systems a divination system called runes, as well as herbs and herbology with the divination system in order to really get a holistic and comprehensive healing modality that she offers to people that can operate on many different levels and get information from many different sources and in many different ways in order to really help someone go as deep as possible into what needs to be healed and how they can go about doing that healing. So I hope that you will enjoy the conversation this evening with Janine Taito Hoggle. And if you would like to get a reading a little later in the show, you can do so by connecting in from the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510, and that will get you into the queue for a reading. So grab yourself some tea, sit back and relax, and please enjoy my conversation here on the Amos Historical with Janine Taito Hoggle.
guest this evening on the Amethyst Oracle is spiritual herbalist and intuitive rune caster Janine Taito Hoggle. Janine Taito Hoggle is an invasive species of wildflower with a long taproot in New Jersey. Medicinal properties include wart cunning, rune casting, and spiritual herbalism. She can be found in distressed soil, sandy shores, and at her web store, Black Earth Botanica, which you can find easily at Etsy.com. Black Earth Botanica is a traveling botanical shop that incorporates rune applications into herbal formulas, as well as daily operative magical tools. As a wart cunner and intuitive rune caster, Janine's Black Earth Botanica aims to share the age-old ancestral lessons with others, as well as offer herbal elixirs and ritual products infused with wild-crafted tinctures. So please help welcome to the Amethyst Oracle, Janine Taito Hoggle. So welcome, Janine Taito Hoggle. Thank you so much for being willing to join us here tonight. Thank you for having me. And we're here to kind of talk about a combination of two different things that you really work with, which is plants and herbs, which I think a lot of people probably surely have some information or knowledge about. I mean, if nothing else, they go to the store, they eat, <laughs> they know plants. Um, but the other part of it that we're combining with that is runes. And some people may not know what runes are or what the history of them is or how they're used. So maybe you can just start off by giving us a little bit of a, a description and, and idea of what runes are and how they're used and how you use them. Uh, certainly. The Elder Futhark runes, as I use them, are, uh, for lack of a better word, a magical alphabet uh, from the hundreds. I want to say it was like 200 and so BC. Um, and they were used primarily by northern cultures. There's a bit of contention about like where they originally had traveled from. Some say uh, the Etruscan, and some say that no, they were definitely Germanic or Norse. Um, but for lack of a better you know, descriptions. I'd say a magical alphabet that you can use for divination practices. Um, they also come to you even when you're not looking for them. Uh, so that's another way of divination that I, I've experienced with them. <laughs> and what do you mean by when they, they come to you? Uh, sometimes you'll see the shapes in natural formations. Um, I've seen some pretty crazy ones just in different, you know, like in trees and twigs, things that could make interesting shapes, but then there's more um, more interesting ones like Frost uh, will spell out some things. Uh, I've definitely seen full words in rooms before, and I'm like, am I imagining this, or are they really coming to me? But I guess I'm in the right place for talking about my magical experiences, so I'm going to go with uh, they were visiting me for a reason. They really hit you over the head when they want to send you a message, so um, I also have that manner of speaking in my reading, so it was a perfect fit. Uh, and so one thing that you really do with them is you combine using runes with herbs, herbology, plant work um, for, well, for healing purposes. We'll touch on that in a little bit. Um, so can you explain how you came to, to think of runes, which generally are on like um, pieces of wood or maybe on stone or something like that? How did you come to start thinking about, oh, wait these runes and this work that I do with herbs and plants could be combined in some way for 
healing purposes? Well, I'm going to have to say with the, uh, may have been the first experience that I realized, wow, there's so much connecting Germanic and Norse lore to plants and to the runes. Um, by keeping it short, I'll say, you know, the, the trees that they're uh, carved on are really specific. In the Havamal, it says that it has to be a fruit-bearing tree. Um, I believe it was in the Havamal, unless it was in the description of the Germania, which was Tacitus, um, the Caesar's historian, who had sort of sent him out, go learn about the Germans, and he didn't firsthand. Usually they would have someone else go out and do their footwork for them. But um, there was a description, I believe, in there saying, like, oh, here's the way that you would, you would carve and send runes and read runes. Um, and it does say that they, they have to be on a fruit-bearing tree, or some have used yew or oak. Uh, I don't know when that tradition developed, but they're all really symbolic trees in German and Norse um, symbology. So it's that's definitely not a not a coincidence. If you use something like oak, you want to connect more with Thor's energy. Um, something that's really strong, and oak itself is so astringent and strong. Uh, there's mistletoe. You wouldn't make runes out of mistletoe, but uh, I'm sure a lot of people have heard if mistletoe is growing on an oak, it's the most magical. Well, this is what this oak is so potent. It usually can't sustain something like mistletoe unless it's dying. And it, you know, much like plants that have aphids or other things that attack it in a garden, you know, when you see this mistletoe, it usually means it may not be the strongest oak to have something upon it. So that's a definitely an indicator of a, you know, really magical piece of mistletoe you have there. And uh, mistletoe, again, is used in the Germanic sagas in the story of Baldur, how he was killed. He was the sun god. Baldur was killed by Loki um, in disguise. He uh, had Hodor the blind god shoot an arrow of mistletoe, um, which was the only plant in the forest that was thought to be so innocuous that it could not, you know, possibly harm anything. So he had some little treachery and made... Uh, yeah, Hodor shoot Baldur with this mistletoe. So it's a really strong plant in that symbology. Um, you know, so is oak. So so many other plants come up when you're reading the Havamal um, or other Norse stories that, you know, there's definitely a connection there. And I started looking more into northern herbalism and how it's still used today as opposed to in the past. And there's a lot of plants that are, that are also still used. Um, yarrow is a big one, juniper, things that were used to flavor beer. Well, they say flavor, but really there was a magical energy. There was a herbalism uh, intent behind it to cure an ailment or to maybe keep bad bacteria away in the brew. So there was a lot of, uh, yeah, there are many, many magical plants that are associated with the runes in some way. But we don't really know. I'm sure that there was a, a crossover. We have a few runes that are plants themselves. We have um, Iwas, which is the U. Um, laukas, which is thought of as lagus, but in reality it's lauka or laukas, I believe is the term for it, the allium genus, a wild garlic or leek. So um, we can talk about that a little bit more later. But just, uh, yeah, to sum up, they all have their own energies, just like plants. And when you meet one, a rune comes to you or a plant comes to you, could be in person or could be in a dream, um, they definitely will visit you with their energy, and that's what really struck out for me, because I've never experienced a, a tarot card coming towards me or anything else of that nature. There was, there's a lot of crossover, for sure. Uh, and, and when you refer to using plants energetically, 
you know, what does that mean compared to using them medicinally? Well, it's there's kind of a sliding scale of how much and how little you're going to use. On the low end, you have people using flower essences. Some flower essences are made without even plant and water. They use stones to sort of divert the energy, the, uh, the spirit of the plant into the water, um, which is then preserved with some type of alcohol base. Um, and then you'll take small drops of it throughout the day to sort of get the feeling of the plant in you. And it's thought that each one has a different lesson that they're guiding you towards, um, such as I just had self-heal recently, Prunella. And it came to me in a dream. And then when I experienced the essence of the plant itself in a flower essence, it was incredibly similar. It's something that is telling you to heal yourself for lack of a lack of a more apt description. It really, really does teach you how to realign things within you um, that may have gotten out of whack. So that was an interesting experience. Uh, if you're taking low doses of a plant tincture or a tea, that's one way to sort of experience an energy. Some you need more or less of than others. Some plants are really potent and, you know, obviously larger doses can kill you. You may just want a few drops here and there. Um, and then some are tonic plants that you're going to want to take every day. Uh, some herbalists want to sort of put you on a higher regimen of that. Uh, there's different schools of thought, I think. I kind of really like the in-between. I do like flower essences. I like the idea of low-dose plant energy in a tincture, but you're, you may not really even need to be taking that if you're looking for just the, the energy in a flower essence because, um, you know, the energy of these plants is very real and the chemical constituents, like I said, in some could definitely harm you if it's not the right plant for you. And it may do nothing for somebody else, but it may make you feel like completely out of your gourd. And that actually may be a sign that it's working <laughs> or it may be a sign that something's wrong and you should stop taking it. So. So yeah, it really depends, but uh, but the energy of plants can be something you sort of experience in, on a base level within yourself, or it can be the chemicals within it completely, you know, changing something within you. Well, and I often will tell people you don't have to necessarily ingest it in order to work with the energy of the plant, because you could carry a little bit of it around with you or oh, yeah. put it into a bath and infuse yourself with the energy or sprinkle it in a space and that kind of thing. Um, and I also think that um, you can extrapolate what a plant can do for you energetically if you know what it does medicinally. You know, this so if 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 somebody knows that they can't sleep, they need to relax, so therefore they drink chamomile tea, then we could extrapolate that chamomile energetically is also great for helping us to stay calm, to not stress out about things, to just, you know, feel more rested or, or to just kind of ease into something better. Um, and so I think that people underestimate how much they might actually know about plants and what they can do for them, especially energetically, because if you associate them with what you know they do for you physically, you have a pretty good idea of what you may also be able to go to and use, even if you don't want to be ingesting it in some way. Oh, yeah. A lot of plant magic, I'm sure a lot of listeners know, like, you can get some plants at the supermarket. It's not exactly like the most ideal sometimes, but apple magic for love or nutmeg, clove magic for money. I mean, just some general examples. But, yeah, you definitely can access a lot of things, even if you're not out there picking it yourself. Um, so, yeah, there's there's totally many ways to experience the energy of a plant. And you're right, like carrying it on you even in 
small amounts sometimes. Uh, Yarrow I really enjoy. I know we talked about it a little bit just now. Um, different colors uh, in the flower essence theory are used for different sort of means of protection. So if you have white yarrow, it's sort of more the all-encompassing protection, like a really fierce, strong thing. And if you carry little bits of you around, or little bits of it around <laughs> with you, if you carry a piece of yourself around in yarrow, which I normally do. <laughs> um, well, the gods do listen to blood, so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> But, yeah, you know, I really found that to be true. I incorporate, I mean, I must look like a crazy pants sometimes because I'll be walking down the street with, like, some yarrow in my hair and a feather, but I'm, like, I'm calling upon the energies of, you know, this uh, hawk or this, this plant that I want to uh, really have guide me or protect me throughout the day if I feel I really need that energy. Um, yeah, and it's but always... A good lesson there. We don't worry about what other people think. Exactly. We do what we need to do for ourselves. <laughs> Um, this is California, after all. I come from New York, so I'm like, oh, no, I was looked at it so crazy in New Jersey and New York. But out here, I feel more at home with my uh, proclivity. Yeah. Uh, so speaking of that, so do you come from a background that had things to do with either divination or the Norse Germanic traditions or from an herbalism background? Not traditionally. Um, my mother's side was, I believe, to actually have Romani blood, but um, my aunt, who is her father's sister, was really obsessed with playing cards. So it's sort of this roundabout way of how I got involved with using playing cards for divination before I had ever touched tarot cards. And I've had people go, oh, that was much too young. You said you were how old when you, you know, first started. Much too young. You knew nothing about the world. I'm like, that's quite true, but to any young listeners out there, when you're with your friends doing a playing card divination about, you know, what boys liked you and who liked you back, and you found out that it was incredibly astute, then, you know, you're onto something. And that well, and being so, young, oftentimes we know way more intuitively exactly. than when we get older and starts to overthink it. Exactly. Or think we know. Definitely, you know some things when you're younger that when you get older, you, you're scratching your head at the complexities of it. Well, that's right. So all, the, all those younger listeners out there, just dismiss what older people tell you. Just exactly. tell them they don't know what they're talking about. Just walk away and just scoff. This scoff is at true. Them, I <laughs> um, so how did you then discover or, or meet and start a relationship with the runes and also with plants and herbalism? Um, I had seen runes around, but I wasn't too connected with them at the time. But uh, years later, I just sort of picked them up as an alternative divination system, but I wasn't super invested in them. But then when I started using them more seriously, I found it really curious that they would come to me individually as energies, and I would usually have a dream or some type of um, meditative state in which a rune would come to me and explain its mysteries for lack of a better example, um, things that I couldn't really solve that I was pondering or some runes, you know, have a sort of mystery behind them. Like, we don't really have much of an explanation left as to what some of them may mean. And so runic scholars and, you know, authors have sort of tried to put their own two cents in based on their lifetime of studying either Norse or Germanic language, um, history books, studying the text. Um, just to say this might be this, or, you know, Peorth or Pertho, we think it's a dice cup meant to uh, be the, the cup that the rune casting is done from. And 
all of these things. Someone else would actually say it's a, it's a uterus or someone else says, well, it's a pear tree. So we have so many different sort of guesses, but then I would just sort of lay there open to the interpretation and if something would come to me or the rune itself would try to explain something, it would make complete sense. And I started to trust where they were taking me a little bit more. Um, I got involved with them during my Saturn's return, and it was a very, very difficult time. Um, but that was when I really, really picked them up and started to trust in them as my daily guides. And yeah, I haven't put them down since. And I've the runes to me, of all of the divination tools, are just like the most <laughs> direct yeah. and harsh. <laughs> you know, there's no like, let me hold your hand, and now let's just ease into this information. They're just like, nope, here it is, boom. Take it or leave it. Yeah. I don't care if you like it. That's just what you need to hear. Yeah, I love telling this story, but I got some runes tattooed on me, and I thought I really had known them. Some were bind runes. I thought I really knew them before I got them on me, and I totally did, and I was being arrogant and childish in a way. You know, my tune's 27 years old. Um, but when I got the Hagalaz rune, the hail rune, that then I – took up as my, my surname, Hagal, because there was this extreme transformative hail energy, which is not just destruction, but hail melts, and it's the ice seed that then will spring forth new life. Like, you have to go through it, and you have to be beaten down in order to rise up and be strong. Um, when I got it tattooed on me, I left the, the place I was at, and it was hailing. It was hailing just a little bit, and I thought, that's kind of weird. And then I walked out into, like, the worst hailstorm I had ever seen in New York the next day. Golf ball-sized hail. I got to walk around, and it was nobody else around for at least maybe half an hour to an hour. And I started to realize, like, wow, this actually really means something. And I got a little nervous <laughs> because, <laughs> in essence, I felt that I did then mark in blood a spell upon me that could not be undone, and I just had to sort of trust in where it was going. I mean, I wanted it to be, but I didn't realize how much of a spell it truly was. But, you right. know, when you do, like I said, the gods listen to blood, when you do put that on you, then they're they're listening. So that was my first really big experience that made me see that, you know, we're here with you. Well, and also something you said is I think that, you know, especially today with so much information at our fingertips, quite literally, <laughs> you know, Google. Oh, yeah. Um, People get way too caught up in what the books say. And, you know, and I see it all the time, like people that are wanting to study Tarot or something like that. And they're always worried about needing to memorize or wanting to find what the book says and more thinking that they're wrong and what they might have thought a card represented in a reading. You know, what you've illustrated is it's much more important to come to your own understanding and relationship with these things and let them speak to you rather than thinking that a book is the gospel and we can only go by that, which sometimes causes us to doubt or just shut down what may be coming to us about it in some way. And I think it's the same with plants, because a lot of times you'll hear people talk about, um, you know, listen to the plant or ask the plant before you cut it if it wants to come with you um, or work with you in some way. Uh, so it, how did you come into herbalism then? Um, you know, at what point in your life and how did herbalism become something that you ended up studying? And, and Well, many years ago, you know, I talked about being from the city. I wasn't really involved with plant life all that much. Um, I mean, I was. New Jersey isn't like the barren, like the road or anything. <laughs> but um, 
some people may have that idea that <laughs> it is actually pretty green and lush. Um, but I, I grew up in Jersey City, and um, you know, we have pineapple weed and Tree of Heaven and other things I really enjoyed. I love picking flowers, hanging out with some dandelions, but I didn't wasn't really invested in in plant magic at the time. Um, but when I started my menses is when I really started to rely on plants. I was a vegetarian. Maybe I was vegan then. I am now. I definitely flip-flopped a few times, but um, I really wanted to find a way to live more cruelty-free, and I didn't want to keep taking things that were tested on animals for, you know, for my cramps, and which were terrible, 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 and hereditary and awful. And if my mom is listening, I'm so sorry I'm talking about your cramps. <laughs> your cramps are my cramps. Um, but I did have this dream. It wasn't, it probably was right after I got involved. I was just taking like chamomile and just, I don't remember what I had really started with taking, but I did take large doses of chamomile tea in order for the anti-inflammatory effect, the anti-like flatulent effect, which is just that like sort of having something carminative for the stomach. Chamomile is actually a really great one, but you do have to sort of drink large quantities of it. Um, and and so that really seemed to help. And I'm like, oh great, I got I got an in here. I got a gateway into the world of plants. Um, and myself being a little young, I wasn't really messing with too much other stuff. Um, but I was really interested. And I did have a dream about a talking tea bag. Obviously, it didn't talk to me. There's probably something else in the dream. It didn't have a face. But you know, I joke about it. Some people have these dreams where like a plant spirit came to them, and it was so beautiful. And it was after the first wildcrafting experience they had. And I'm like in New Jersey looking in my my cutlery drawer and there's an echinacea tea bag in there and it's telling me like, take me, I'm going to save you. And I'm like, what? And there was some angels around and I'm like, that was a weird dream because I came from a Catholic background, but I'm not Catholic. And at that point I was definitely a pagan. So I'm like, what's going on here? And years later, it, it took me like, I don't know, until maybe five or six years ago before an herbal teacher was like, you had a plant spirit visit you. And I'm like, really? That was really unceremonious. It was kind of odd, really. But, um, but yeah, I've taken that lesson. Like, I still think about that. And I think about, like, when to use echinacea because of some of the things that were said within the dream. So, so and, and, you know, and, and the way you're describing that, it's very similar. And I think a lot of people have a little more either knowledge about or understanding or even acceptance around, say, animal spirits. And the idea where an animal could show up in your dream and it'll have a message for you and that kind of thing. But they don't necessarily think about plants or runes or other things, crystals, you know, doing the same kind of thing. I think just because animals have that idea of a living being. And so you would think, oh, it can show up and have a message for me. Um, so, you know, hopefully this is encouraging people and maybe even validating some of their experiences to say, no, that is how it can come to you. And yes, you do want to pay attention. So don't just dismiss it or laugh it off or think it's weird and don't want to tell anybody or, you know, that kind of thing. So um, I, I think it's good for people to hear that these kind of experiences happen and there's a lot of validity to them. And the message can be extremely powerful or beneficial or both. <laughs> um, and so therefore we really want to, to heed that. Oh, yeah, certainly. I had um, my first spirit guide, I guess, would be a, a ladybug. My first living, 
you know, animal spirit guide, uh, and here I am waiting for, like, everybody's like, I saw a wolf or a hawk or, you know, a chicken maybe, and I saw a ladybug, and the ladybugs kept coming to me, basically showing my habits that were not so good, these obsessions that I had to break myself from at a very early age, and then they would come to me over the years and just sort of show up here and there, but I was like, really, like, ladybugs, and then they, you know, came to me in person, not just in dreams, a few times that were pretty poignant, so wanted to sort of give that some validity too. Like a lot of people felt slighted that, oh, I'm not that bear that I thought I was. Like, right. I love bears. Why isn't my guide a bear? Um, but yeah, I met a cricket one day and the cricket was like, no, we're six leg people. There's two legs and four legs, but we are six legs. Like we are really unique. And I'm like, yeah, that makes me feel a little bit better. Cause you know, it's not easy always feeling like a, a huge weirdo wherever you go. But even within the, the, realm of like the witch world you're like i'm a weirdo here too well like the weirder you are here the the better you are really i mean <laughs> the more powerful your your energy is because it's so unique so so yeah that definitely was a great lesson and i still do have a lot of people that are like oh wow you really only have like plants come to you and insects sometimes like yeah i guess so but you know i feel i feel special and now speaking of the word that you just used what's your What's your opinion on the weird rune, W-Y-R-D? Ah, that's a great question. Um, I don't use it. You know, I, I really don't because it's not traditional. And the Peors or Perso rune that we were talking about before, that is more like the blank rune than anything else because it does kind of show up. Uh, and I think Freya Aswin, it was either Thorson or Aswin who I, I have a lot of theories that come from both of them because I found it to be most in line with my own. Um, one of them stated that the, the Pertho or Payork rune would be that rune, you know, so if you're looking to sort of, if you're like, oh, I don't really feel right with this weird blank rune, sometimes when Payork shows up, it's the F-E rune, as, as Aspen said, I believe, because it's like, you're not supposed to know this answer right now, and I think that has to do, it's a really complicated rune, and also really simple, but it does have to do with that, like the, the gaining of knowledge in a sense, like things will be revealed over time but not at this moment. That could be one of the meanings when it shows up in a, in a reading for sure. Um, so when, when we talk about using runes and plants together for healing, what is it that you are meaning when you use that term healing? Well, in a completely um, physiological sense, I guess, you know, if you're taking a plant internally to heal yourself, um, you can also use some runes in conjunction with that, just to sort of get to the root of what it is. Because when I sort of uh, advocate for a plant or a combination of plants, it's usually like there's a constitutional change that has to happen. It's not just a surface thing, but it's like a deep down thing that it's addressing. Um, and, you know, not all plants do affect you on that level. Uh, we have like different groupings of plants, such as uh, adaptogens or tonic. And those kind of help daily to sort of reset your compass back to center, so to speak. Um, and that's what a lot of like holistic medicine would do. It's looking at your full body approach rather than just like, oh, I want to take this one thing. And, you know, that one thing could actually shift you off in the, the wrong direction like we were talking about before. Um, there's a lot of stuff you would want to look at. Um, I'm not a clinical herbalist. Um, I don't have my own practice in that sense, but I do talk to people. I don't mind you know, for doing a room reading or something, throwing some stuff out there. I do sell my own 
like we were speaking of before, the runic healing pictures. And these are more inspired by the runes um, than exactly like lined up with the plan. You know, and I can give you an example of that. Um, I'm working on an algae tincture, which is a protective energy. And in short, I look at it as either a divine protection or the protection that you get from something that comes from within, almost a, like a shape-shifting protection. It is an elk. It's thought to be the, you know, the elk rune, the, the rune that kind of looks like a crow's foot or an antler. So it's almost like something that you're wearing and putting on you. When I started to see this, um, this shape in some plants, like in the elder stems, in yarrow stems, and St. John's wort stems, I mean, it's in a lot of plants, let's be honest, because it's a, it's a forked shape. So, but I started to see it in these particular plants, which can be um, viewed as protective preemptively. So that's sort of how I feel about algae, too. It is more of a preemptive um, protection, whereas something like Iwas or Thirtisots, you might want to use in the moment that you're protecting yourself. They're more weaponry type protection. Iwas also has a different um, a different lesson to it. It's the U rune, which we can talk about um, in a little bit. But yeah, they all have different means of protection. You know, certainly if you're going out for a night on the town and you're like, well, I don't want to get mugged on my way to the car. You know, should I carry some mace or <laughs> should I should I just spray myself with this magical cloud that may keep people away or something? Or should I put on my, my invisibility cloak, yeah. you know? Um, so these are all different manners of protection that you're using. Um, and then you're going to have something where you're, yeah, or do I use my giant U bow for when the attacker is actually up <laughs> in my face? Um, but yeah, they're all, they're all for totally different, um, totally different means of protection. Um, I usually just take my bow to the club. I mean, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Wrap it on the shoulder. Fucking fear. <laughs> let the bouncer try and take it away. <laughs> well, if you put the invisibility cloak on, then... <laughs> then they won't even notice you coming into the club. <laughs> you won't even get carded. <laughs> um, don't listen to that, young kids. <laughs> um, but but yeah, so I, I started to notice, like, oh, these are all preemptive herbs that you can take to preemptively stop yourself if you feel yourself about to get sick. But then there's other ones you, if you start taking your elder in the middle of being sick, more than being preemptive, it's going to sort of be warming and break the fever, um, have sort of a different action and help save something away. Um, and if you do take something more warming, it's when you feel yourself getting a more of a cold than a hot. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like there's different types of sickness coming your way. And if you, if you feel that your, your constitution is too weak or too cold to fight something off, you're going to want to take these more warming herbs. Um, but yeah, so once you actually have it or if you have a hot, um, like in the Nalthys tincture, it's yarrow, um, what is in it, geez? It's a few warming herbs that are more, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Diaphoretic. They help uh, break a fever. They help you sweat and cool you down from being that hot, but it has to get you that hot first. So, yeah, just different examples of when you're going to want to take different things. And uh, the reason that Nalthys rune was the inspiration behind that is because it is the need fire, that energy that is sort of constricting together, and the energy itself could break something like a fever. You know, um, interesting too, one of the only uh, texts I could find on this that, that related back to childbirth is that midwives used to use it on their palms to catch slippery babies to ensure a good grip. So, yeah, but there's all sorts of different ways that have been used traditionally, and 
some are slowly being uncovered or um, some, you know, will, will come to you in those just learning about the world around you, the plants around you, sometimes you'll see like they have similar actions to rooms, which is really astute. But you can't um, can't really compare the two absolutely because I've seen authors do that and I've seen like kind of cheaper room books. I buy obsessively, I buy room books every time I see one. And I'll see one that's like all, you know, Getty images, like those, what are they called? The stock photos. <laughs> and it's just a book of stock photos. And they're like, this room means this. And here, we're going to line it up with every tree, stone, element, da-da-da-da, number that we can. And uh, I don't think you can really do that. Like, it doesn't do them justice, you know? Like, not every rune may have a tree. Not every rune may have a, an animal compared to it, you know? Um, so that being said, yeah, I do feel that there's a definite relationship, not just between plants and the rune, but, like, a combination of plants that can be used in a formula for specific goal and and the rune's goal as well if you're using it in operative magic you know um you know what you were saying there about like that book that's making every correspondence <laughs> and everything i just tell people certainly you can look at a book like that but again come back to does that feel right for you Exactly. You know, and it may it may feel right that oh, that makes sense that this rune is correlated to this number or that this rune is correlated to that tree, but there may be another one where you're like, well, I just that just doesn't seem right to me, or I just can't quite really wrap my head around accepting that, and, and that's okay. You know, we don't have to be snobbish to the book just because somebody yeah. else wrote it and think somehow they're the experts in some way. Um, so, you know, when you talk about putting a rune in to say a teacher or something. Um, I'm curious how you do that. Like, I come from more of an Egyptian standpoint, but I will use tinctures, like just medicinal tinctures. But when I put the drops in water, I will draw hieroglyphs with the drops in order to then infuse that water with the energy or magic or aspect of what those hieroglyphs are so that I can then ingest those hieroglyphs along with the tincture, um, you know, when I drink the water. I mean, that's just one way. I mean, I know you can visualize them and all sorts of stuff, but I'm curious how you use the runes and then put them into things like that. Um, well, I would like to say from an herbalist standpoint, before I begin talking about it, um, you know, do not take a plant if you're not totally sure what you're taking. If you're taking it in tincture form and not just in flower essence, um, because of the stuff we talked about before, I sound like a real negative Nancy, but, you know, even I have had, like, terrible experiences with plants just from like not having the right formulas or not even eating well enough while I was taking plants. So let's say you're taking something to stave off a sickness that increases your white blood cell count. Well, you can't really make more white blood cells if you're not eating enough protein or B vitamins or anything of that nature. You're not drinking enough water. So these are all things to like just be aware of when you're taking these. But um, yeah, if you're going to draw a rune on the top of the water, I actually got that idea from, from Freya Aswin because she was talking about projecting the rune on the water with your mind. I believe she said she writes it in red because they used to be um, um, consecrated with blood. So if you project a color red, it's a really potent color for things happening for operative magic, you know, as we spoke about. And if you project that on the water, or you can project another color depending on 
what you're feeling, you know, and a lot of people that work with chakras or work with different gems and, and colors that need something, even with flower essences, all the colors sort of signify different things. Whatever feels right to you, project it on the water that the, the tincture is in and drink that. I definitely do that if I'm taking like one of the, the blends that I've made with a, with a granic inspiration behind it. Um, there's some runes I kind of caution against using because they are so potent and I've myself had them kind of go out of control. Like Thurisoth talking earlier about what runes you want to use for protection. It's definitely like using a knife, bringing a knife to a, to a spoon fight. So, um, because it's so sharp. And I think in our minds when we're envisioning it and we see this sharp thing encircling us, we are putting a sharp object out there. It's the same as actually hurting someone. And I've accidentally hurt a friend who was ill. Um, and she was not like very well at the time. She was undergoing some treatments for cancer. And she was standing too close to me when I was in a room of people and I was like, I need protection. There's too many people close to me. Well, here I go misusing thoughts, which is a room that isn't really that controllable. It's a lot of people have had this, like similar experiences when it comes to like the type of energy it is, whether or not they viewed it as one thing or the next, or if they've used it and hurt somebody. A lot of people can agree that it's kind of uncontrollable. Uh, however, because it's, it's a thorn, it's actually thought to be the name of a giant, but it's also, some people say it's a thorn because it, it does look like a thorn. Um, I've used it in a formula that has a bunch of different thorned plants that would be good for your heart and circulation. So we have hawthorn, rose, and blackberry, and those are all pretty great, and like they're not, they're pretty safe for for almost everybody to use. However, I wouldn't use the actual third thoughts rune when I was taking it. It's something I might even caution about when I start selling it because it's kind of a weird one, you know. And like it, it was the inspiration behind it. And I almost do feel that energy is so yang and positive for like circulation, but anything that you you can't really get a grip on if you're not if you're not apt with using it, then I wouldn't, you know, just like a plant. Um, yeah, I wouldn't mess with it too much. There's a, um, a tarot deck called the Herbal Tarot, and there's okay. a companion book that goes with it, and it's by Michael Tierra, who's a, a well-known And um, he has correlated a herb or plant with each of the tarot cards. Uh, so I'm curious if you have developed your own correspondence that way where you have you know, one or a couple or a few different plants or herbs that you specifically correlate to each of the runes so that if a rune or runes comes up in a reading, you then say, okay, since these are here, here are the, the plants or the herbs that you might want to try working with. Yeah, um, I definitely have done that with people who wanted to come in and do a reading to see where, where an issue may lie, um, especially in the physical realm. You know, if somebody is more... Just like with tarot, sometimes you have to be more obscure, but sometimes you have to be more concrete depending on the question um, to see if like a certain rune would come up that I do associate with a body part, um, such as the Ansu's rune. I definitely view it respiration and vital energy, and as such in Chinese medicine tradition and Appalachian folk medicine and in um, Ayurvedic tradition, I'm talking about the chakras, the throat all conjures up Kind of similar ideas, not just of, of like, oh, you have a sore throat, take some of this, but 
it's because of reason. Your your throat chakra is blocked. Or if you die with foam coming out of your mouth, in Appalachian tradition, you didn't say everything you had to say in your life. You know, you may have to come back again and, and say it all because the throat and just all the way down from the respiratory system, Antis is looked at as the breath of God because we are given the humanesque qualities of the God. Well, humanesque is a bad word to put it. Something that was thought to separate us from the animals, you know, the, the gift of speech and communication and art, all these things that, like, quote-unquote, make us human. Um, I also think animals do the same thing, so I don't want to go down a rabbit hole with that, because um, I will. But, um, yeah, in short, like, if I see onsuits, I think, like, oh, there's maybe not just a physical problem with your breathing, but something is blocked over there, and it's something you have to get out. And I wouldn't feel comfortable just giving somebody, unless they're like, yeah, you're right, I, I do have, like, a respiratory tract issue. And, you know, I always recommend seeing your doctor or seeing a clinical herbalist who does an intake for you. Um, because there's, if there's something underlying, then then you can take as much mullein as you'd like for your cough, but there may be something bigger there, and there may need to be, like, a combination of things. Um, and since I'm not a clinical herbalist, I only go so far with recommending herbs, but I do see patterns and things, and just looking at different systems of medicine from all over the world, including constitutional Western medicine, which I've kind of been studying in the past few years, um, just looking at things as a holistic system and incorporating runes into that and looking at how plants can help, it's a delicate balance, you know, and it really does depend on the person. It's kind of just, yeah, with constitutional medicine, it does depend on the person and kind of when looking at, like, someone's room reading. You know, two people could get the same reading. It can mean two completely different things. So I guess if that, in a roundabout way, answered your question, I definitely do see the connections, but but it's going to depend on the person. And, and I won't really give advice if I don't feel comfortable giving advice. And I definitely morally don't want to hurt somebody by, by recommending an herb that may not be for them. You know, I'd much rather recommend they see an herbalist or, you know, even a, a skilled doctor that isn't just an allopath, an acupuncturist, someone like that, um, in their area before, like, dispensing out herbal advice, so. If somebody was um, more focused on doing some sort of healing, say, on the emotional level or the spiritual level, um, is there a way that you would go about suggesting them working with, say, certain herbs or plants based on what comes up in a reading with runes? Yeah, I might, um, but only if I felt super comfortable with my own experience with that particular plant and with that person. Um, I think sometimes if you tell someone to take a journey with a plant, they may not be ready for it. Um, I've heard of people just with, um, what's it called? Ayahuasca, everybody's favorite. Um, some people have had amazing experiences, and other people it was not for them, and they freaked out. They weren't really ready for the lessons of that plant. So it's a rather extreme example, but if you think of all plants on the level of ayahuasca, um, each plant is going to tell you something. You're going to be able to gain some sort of knowledge towards your past from every little flower essence. It doesn't have to be so extreme as a, as a hallucinogen that may take you on a really long journey um, to overhaul yourself and like all of a sudden the next day you're, you're a different person giving up your life, you know. Some are more gentle, um, but some definitely can pull up some really painful memories and, and you know, that is 
up to the individual how comfortable you feel experiencing it. But um, for example, I, I've been taking red root lately. My herbalist, his name is Joshua Musket. Uh, he's with the SFBMC. I don't know if they changed the name because the SF used to be in San Francisco and they, they moved to maybe north of Tahoe. But I would look them up. I think it's sfbmc.org. And uh, he gave me some red root recently and Hawthorne. They work sort of synergistically. Hawthorne is definitely for the heart. I was having some heart palpitations. I believe that to be from some heart shocker imbalance, really. I think that there was something spiritually that had shocked my heart. And I had been so guarded that I needed to take this. And I really recommend Hawthorne to people for opening the heart, improving circulation. I also had symptoms that wasn't just on a spiritual level. You know, I did have circulation issues. I had um, felt like the blood was always rushing my head. Like, it kind of normalizes circulation patterns. Um, that's one thing it does. But working alongside red root, it also helps up the immunity of the person using it. It's a gentle lymphatic cleanser. He uses it in larger amounts. Uh, so what it was doing, it's not just moving your lymph and your interstitial fluid. I was having really crazy memories coming up, and I was crying, or my body wanted to cry, and I realized it is getting rid of that, that fluid. It's definitely taking things that accumulate in different parts of the body, even in old injuries, like any lymph movers do help, um, stuff like that, but it will, it will help move your lymph um, so you're, you're a bit more functional in that area. But uh, yeah, the emotions that were attached to that combination, it was really incredible, and it took months for me, I've heard experiences of people having per menstrual cycle in, in women or in men, um, every moon cycle, they have a different experience shift, but it usually will be on like a full moon or some date. Um, seven herbs as teachers is actually a great plant, and it touches on at least seven herbs that in detail they're talking about similar experiences. Um, but yeah, with red root, I definitely felt that it took about three months for me to sort of come out of these things I was depressing that were so deep down in me I didn't want to look at and they they came out to the surface. So some people may not be ready for that because it was a really, really depressing experience. And I sat there thinking like, oh wow, like is everything okay? Like I thought I was through all this. I've been feeling so great lately and now here I am feeling like crapola but um but yeah it needed to happen because, you know, all things all plants can sort of lead you to where you need to be. It's just a matter of how you use it. But yeah, that being said, like, there's definitely things I've told people to use, such as um, people dealing with childhood trauma. I found drop doses of California poppy to be really effective. Um, California poppy is extremely good for sort of looking back at your, your inner child. And when I had taken it, I was in a room of people, and I took a class that I was like, here I go again, taking a flower essence class where I paid money to just do something I could have done in my house, was my thought. I'm like, $35, and I'm sitting here talking about the energy of a plant in a room of people. Like, great, whatever, what am I really learning? Well, I learned a lot, and it was pretty incredible. Um, just having the same experience, listening to other people in a room, and you wonder how much other people are projecting and how much you're picking up from other people's thoughts. But, um, you know, even that being said, like there's a similar experience with certain plants the world over, and it's not just information that's being shared. It's the same people looking at the same animal, or different people looking at the same animals using the plants for some reason, or just using like 
cedar for ceremony and smudging or protection, you know, just like similar little coincidences the world over, I guess are not really coincidences, but my experience with California poppy was stuff. A lot of people felt, oh, I was a child and I felt nurtured and I felt it really uh, akin with the Burkana rune, which is a really motherly rune. And um, I also had a panic attack from taking it because it showed me things I wasn't comfortable with at that moment. You know, looking back at what I thought to be myself in the womb, like that's pretty incredible. And I read after that, you know, just looked it up to see who else has had this experience. A lot of people have used it for um, past life or pre-birth trauma. So, you know, that's that's really no coincidence there. Like there's that distinct energy that that plant carries. Um, but you know, if somebody doesn't want to take it just for their their anxiety, it's just, it's a mild sedative, but it's not the same as as the opiate poppy. So, for some people, it's not going to be correct for their body type. But I might say, yeah, try try taking a drop or two and just meditating upon it and see what you get. You can even take the flower essence as well. Um, that would be a lot safer, I guess. And you know, but California poppy's generally safe um, in like lower doses. So, uh, but yeah, that's. That's sort of just the, the tale of plants. I, I got many of them. Well, so if somebody was curious about whether or, or what it was like to work with runes and maybe plants or whether working with runes was the right thing for them, what, what would be the, the starter kit? What would be the starter rune that somebody might try working with and then the correlating plant to that in order to just get an experience of what that's like? To work with those things together, um, and then to also feel like, oh wait, I'm really liking the way this rune feels, you know, or this this plant feels. I really want to work with these runes more, or they might get a different experience. But what what do you think would be maybe a a starter rune and plant kit? That's <laughs> for a really someone? interesting way to put it because um, with Spehu, which is the first rune, I'd say start with that. You know, it's your it's like your alphabets basically. You're going to start with the first one. Um, but also because its energy is so positive and abundant and it basically, it means cattle, but it's associated with wealth, the gold. Um, going back to why I named Black Earth Botanica, my, my traveling botanica as thus, is because Black Earth is the, the first set of minerals that are being transmuted. It's, it's where the word alchemy came from. And who are the true alchemists but the plants? They're transmuting minerals from the soil so that way we can use them. And the plants I associate with the Fehu rune are going to be wild edibles that, you know, just stuff like miner's lettuce, um, maybe cleaver's nettles, um, things I could associate with other runes for their energy, but just as a group, wild edibles that are going to make you feel so different than if you're eating anything from the supermarket. Like, I've really... I don't know, touched upon something when I started, oh, like you're just going to eat some plants as I'm walking around and just being in the sun, having the vitamin D, like really soaking in all the, the wealth that you can't buy. Um, much like cattle was thought of to be nourishment. And in Norse tradition, Adhunla is the primal cow that nourished the giant Ymir, um, who is the first being. Um, the two aspects I think of Adhunla, like her wild side is more Uru, the Oroch, and then her um, domesticated side would be Fehu, and that's the part that is nourishing us. And again, you know, like the plants are nourishing us because we can't just go out and eat 
handfuls of soil. I mean, you could, but <laughs> they're they're gonna take like what you need from it and give it to you. Um, so yeah, wrapping all that up into a neat little package. That's interesting question, but a more interesting <laughs> answer because I it's something that I've thought of for so long. You know, like that is definitely it's it's kind of like the Aries of the zodiac, and I don't really make too many connections between the rooms and and astrological houses or the signs or anything. Um, there are some really good ones in Freya Aslan's Northern Mysteries and Magic. I know I keep bringing her up, but that's as far as books go, that's someone I would recommend reading. Um, so she does make some pretty good connections, but you know, you can't really make too many connections like we were talking about before. It's kind of missing the whole point of like that individual room. But um, yeah, just like Aries kind of comes in and it's just like, boom, I'm here there's that same energy with Fehu, and it is so positive, and it's, um, yeah, it's the great bridge from, maybe not a bridge, but the, the first um, step to sort of working with runes is to feel that energy and get in there, get your foot in the door. <laughs> well, I'm going to ask you, so we have a segment in the show each month called Living the Queer Life, where we do a reading with some sort of tool in order to see how we can live our fullest and queerest selves in the coming months. And so I wanted to see as we're wrapping up our conversation here, if you have a few more minutes to stick around, maybe that you could actually use the runes to do that reading for us this month so people can hear kind of that, not only the rune in action and how you might interpret and read a rune in that way, but then maybe some sort of plant or herbal suggestion that would go along with it to help support that in the coming months. Um, and we always remind people here that when we say in the coming months, if you're listening to the show live, then okay, it's from that point on. But if you're listening to this three years from now as the podcast, then, you know, it's whenever you hear this, that's the right time for you to hear it, and therefore you can work with it. So I'm curious if you have a few minutes to stick around and maybe do that segment with us as well. I would be delighted. Excellent. Uh, so before we go to the break, um, maybe you can just tell us uh, how people can contact you and what kind of services you offer and where they can find more information about that. Yeah, that would be great. Um, in short, so my, my web store and my, my little personal business is Black Earth Botanica, and you can find that on Etsy, um, Facebook. You can also do a room reading through Etsy, or you can contact me directly. I've been um, doing it through email. Uh, on Instagram, I'm pretty active. It's just, again, Black Earth Botanica. Um, and if you want to email me directly, it's blackearthbotanica at riseup.net. That's R-I-S-E-U-P.net. Um, I'd like to actually plug an event I have coming up. I'm really excited to be at Empress Vintage doing a room divination workshop that's geared more towards tarot readers. I've done a few that are more in the runic healing sense and some that are just like introductions to the runes. This one is more for like people who have a sense of, of the divination practices they're using but maybe want to like do something more in depth or as I've done in the past, if I wanted to clarify a card, sometimes I would pull a rune with it. Um, so we're going to be talking about some things like that. Um, what runes mean when they come up in a reading specifically, because uh, sometimes we just talk about operatively how you can use this rune. Um, so yeah, it's going to be geared more towards divination. It's going to be August 28th, which is a Sunday at 6 p.m. It'll be a two-hour class, and it's a sliding scale from 25 to 35. Um, it'll be held at Empress Vintage, um, and that's in Berkeley on Alcatraz. I don't have the exact address in front of me, but you can also contact them 
at empressvintage at gmail.com to reserve your spot. Thank you for letting me talk about my upcoming class. Oh, yeah. Um, so for those listening, stay tuned because after the break, Janine will be doing a, a rune reading for us to give us some insight into how we can best succeed in the coming months being our fullest and truest selves. Uh, if you'd like a reading later in the show, then you can also get into the queue for that by connecting in from the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510, and that'll get you into the queue in order for that to happen. So stay tuned, and we will be right back after this break with our Living the Queer segment and our special guest, Ido Algo, doing a room reading for us. So stay tuned, and we'll be right back. Why did you separate me from you? The body ready go. Pitch of tail sticky me. The sea life cut with plastic. Why cross killed it go? A cave. Laying in the boiling snow A sharp knife of concrete The blue line of You're listening to the Amethyst Oracle Divination with a Queer Twist Find out more at facebook.com slash the Amethyst Oracle And we're back, and as we mentioned in the conversation just a minute ago, uh, my guest, Janine Taito-Hagel, was most gracious and kind enough to be willing to stick around a couple more minutes to do our Living the Queer Life segment reading. So we have pulled a room to represent how we can live as our fullest and queerest selves in the coming month, always reminding people queer doesn't have to mean anything about sexuality, it's being our most unique self and fully embracing that and being that in the most authentic way possible. And so the rune that has come up, and I'll tell you, you know, of course I cheat because I work with the tarot and everything so much, I actually have a, a rune deck. So I pull it as a card rather than having pulled the stone. So you'll Those forgive me things. for not being a, a traditional. <laughs> They're still made of trees, so. That's right. That's true. And so the rune that came up is so, you know, I mean, for me, just a few keywords that come to me for that is often things like insight and mystery, but also poetry and art and magic and being creative and really allowing that to just flow from us and out of us and not putting any sort of damper on those kinds of things and just going deeper into those things, kind of a fully immersive thing. It's like a painter that gets lost in the studio rather than worrying about just painting for a certain amount of time, you know. Um, so if you see that rune as representing how to be our most full and authentic selves in the coming months, what would Ansu say to you, Jenny? In the grander scheme of like what it's what it's going to represent and you're talking about creativity and as we spoke a little bit about it before, there is definitely that creative energy thought to be you know, unique to humanity that was given to us by the gods. And so 
Antuth also does represent Odin, and it's thought to be the little bit of the All-Father Odin in all of us, um, that we were all given divine breath by the gods. Um, so when we are using that creative energy, we realize that we are divine and that we must carry this with us and carry the lessons of Odin to other people. Um, one of the great things that I, I, one of the lessons at least in, in Alpha True um, in Germanic like heathenry that, that I thought was pretty profound was that Odin has suffered for nine days and nine nights. There's such a, a description of this that it makes you think of Jesus, really, or like something that we, a, a figure that we're more familiar with for suffering for so long. Um, but he lived and took the runes from this experience that could have been fatal, and he gave it to us. He didn't just keep it for himself, so it's a lot like Jesus as well, although they are completely different figures. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's one of the reasons why I do the runes. I've taken them off and want to give them to other people as well, like help people pick them up is because of that, you know, because of that lesson. So I see that in Ansi's as well, although it's... It, is more like associated with the rune gable, like the act of learning the knowledge of the runes and then giving it. The act of gable is kind of the gift rune, um, and a gift deserves a gift, they say. So when I look at Antus, I do see that as well, though. It's the, the creative energy, the gift that we're given, that we are sharing, and we're sharing with each other. And uh, there's been so many terrible events that have happened lately that a lot of people have really been in a dark place you know, especially in the queer community. And uh, remembering that we have these gifts that are ours to you and that are unique to you specifically, whoever's listening, um, that may help take you out of a really dark place to know that you are very divine and you must carry this on and carry it to your sisters and brothers and lift them up as well. So, um, and creative energy is a great way to do that too. You know, that's one of the gifts. Well, yeah, because it's almost like a call to action. Yeah. Because it's saying it's not just about recognizing that you have that gift or that creativity, but it's doing something with it and recognizing that by doing something with it, it's going to touch or help or in some other way affect people around you. So, you know, go ahead and write that poem and post it on Facebook rather than just keep it for yourself. Go ahead and make that song and then put it on SoundCloud for people to hear rather than just keeping it to yourself. But to me, it's, there's that, that idea of putting into, into action, actually allowing that creativity to flow out of you, like you were saying, the way that Odin gave the runes to us, you know, allow that creativity within you to come out and be expressed so that it actually has a chance to be seen and to touch the world and the people around you. Because you may not understand how it's going to affect someone, but just putting it out there, it will have an effect in whatever way it needs to, regardless of what our intention for the effect might have been. Just like with good art, you know, we all look at it, we might see something completely different than what the artist intended, but that doesn't take away from it being what it was and what it is. Um, so I, I think that it, it calls us to action in a creative way and saying, create, <laughs> you know, uh, rather than just say, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a good painter, but I just painted my room and nobody ever sees my paintings and I'm embarrassed to show anybody. Um, so thinking of Ansus as well, what would you associate verbally with Ansus? I was just thinking of that. Um, 
for the context that we're talking about now, um, I do associate sage, mostly European garden sage, but there's different types of sage um, that you could associate with Odin. And some of these are very cleansing, either internally or externally. Um, I do caution against using that white sage, though, unless it is from a trusted source, because now, um, as of maybe this year or last year, it is endangered. So we got to be careful where we're getting it from. Um, there's also Artemisia tridentata, and uh, that's a sage that grows locally, uh, sagebrush. And what else do we have? There's a few, you know, just different types of sage that you're familiar with that you can use um, either as a smudge or some of them can be used internally, uh, either as a throat gargle uh, to flavor a tea. The European garden sage is pretty bitter, but it also can be good for just flavoring some food. And um, I would associate that with not just healing matters of the throat in a physical sense, but helping you uh, get rid of, shake off any of the nasties, you know, the same way that you would smudge yourself for any other purpose, you're going to smudge yourself to regain that creative energy and sort of realign any of those chakras or things that may be out of whack to bring you back into yourself. And uh, yeah, I just thought sage is like a really, uh, really powerful one just hitting me over the head. So, Or if you were sitting down or going into whatever space you go into in order to create in some way, maybe having some sage burning while you're doing that, like as incense, to be you know, filling that space with the smoke and with the smell and with the energy and everything while you're in that space so that it's working with you as you're actually creating rather than, I mean, somebody could drink the tea before they sit down to do that, but you can also have that smoke there with you the whole time as well. Um, oh, yeah. You know, so I find similarly, whether it's with a plant or in this case with a room, um, getting an image of the room from just a Google image search, and then making that the background of uh, like on your phone or on your computer so that it's there and you'll see it and it's kind of imprinting itself every time you see it in that way or it's a reminder of, oh, yeah, I remember, you know, you see that and I'll go, oh, yeah, I remember they talking about being creative for that. And it reminds me that, oh, I was going to do some painting this weekend. Um, you know, but it's just another way to be able to use it by just having it there. And it's also going to draw that energy to it so it'll start to kind of stimulate that energy around you as well, if we all carry our phones on us. Oh, yeah. <laughs> How else are we supposed to catch Pokemon? <laughs> smudge your phone. <laughs> if you're listening to this right. in many ways, smudge your phone to get rid of that staff and everything that lives on there, and also just spiritually smudge yourself, leaving your phone at home, and then just getting out in the woods and getting some, around some of those big ancient evergreens and rubbing yourself on them, and that helps you reset those weird things that go on in your head that, you know, you start to focus more on what your phone is doing than what's going on around you in many ways, you know, like we used to see predators in the wild all the time. We were really alert and on guard and now we're just like staring really alert for the next Instagram notification, you know, and everybody's guilty of it. It's 2016, you know, what can you do? But yeah, smudge that phone. <laughs> <laughs> so there are your marching orders, my dear for this, for this coming month, whenever you're hearing this, is to follow the advice of Ansus and get out there and create and allow what you have in you to be expressed through the creative arts and through what it is and how it wants to come out of you. But let it be seen. Let it be touched. Let it be a part of the world around you. Give it to the world around you. 
rather than holding it in and keeping it secret or somehow being embarrassed about it or shy about it in some way. My special thanks to my guest, Janine Pido-Hoggle, for sticking around and helping to do our Living the Queer Life segment this month. Thank you so much for having me. I had a lot of fun. I feel really great. And uh, I'm going to go home and do a bunch of push-ups because I have so much adrenaline now. Excellent. From this Excellent. <laughs> and you can always find information about her. I mean, if you just do a search for Black Earth Botanica, you will find her on various platforms and media outlets. Uh, of course, you may sometimes be out of touch because she will not be working with those platforms and media outlets when she's out of the woods without her phone, apparently. Um, but normally, you will be able to get a hold of her, and she will respond. <laughs> and her email address is blackearthbotanica at riseup.thankyoujanine. Thank you, hi, Pete. And stay tuned. Coming up next is our call-in segment where you have a chance to get a reading live on the air during the show here. And if you'd like to get into the queue for that, you can do so by connecting in from the show page or you can call 646-716-5510. So stay tuned and we will go into readings right after this break. Historical Divination with a Queer Twist. Find out more at Facebook.com slash The Amethyst Oracle. And we are back, and we have reached that point in the show where you have a chance to receive a reading live on the air. And I will remind you, my name is Hi-C, and if you would like to connect in uh, in this last few minutes of the show in order to get into the queue for a reading, you can do so from the show page, or you can call 646-716-5510. So we're going to go ahead and go to our first caller, and this is someone who is calling from area code 646. Are you there, caller, at 646 area code? Yes, I am. How are you this evening? I'm doing very well. What's your name and where are you calling from? Uh, my name is Tasha, and I'm calling from the Bronx, New York. 
All right. I'm always impressed that people call from there. It seems so late. <laughs> um, so is there something in particular we can look at for you in a reading? Oh, yes, please, in terms of employment. Um, currently, I'm unemployed, and I need to try to uh, find a job as soon as possible. Um, it's not my dream job, but it's just something to do so that I can pay the bills. I do have something coming up, an interview coming up on Thursday, but I'm not 100% sure if this is the right job. Uh, should I? I will go to the interview, but I would like to know if I should sign up with a temp agency or just keep submitting my resumes out. Okay. So, let's see. What's the day and month of your birth? Uh, actually, um, August 12th. Oh, well, happy almost birthday. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so one reason I asked that is because I always want to look at what's what's the, the number from a numerological standpoint that represents the year and what's the card that represents the year. Um, and by year, I mean birthday to birthday. So think of it as your age. Um, and so you'll be going into a year that's represented by the number 11, and that is, you know, on the one hand, that's a number, it's, it's called a master number, any repeating number. Um, and, you know, 11, first of all, it's two ones. I know you're shocked. Um, but it, one represents new beginnings, planting new seeds, going in new directions. But 11 is more the idea of going to a new level. All right. Or it, it can be taking something in a new direction, but it's a new direction that is a evolution of rather than something that's completely brand new. Um, and, you know, the fact that it's called a master number also says it's a year that you're going into where you want to look at becoming a master of something or, or um, mastering a particular skill um, moving into a role where you're more of a master, which can mean you're more of an expert, you're more of a thought leader, you know, something like that. Um, but all of that is that idea of advancement. There is also this aspect of advancing knowledge in an 11 year. It's a great time to go back to school. Um, and whether that means like going back for, say, a master's degree, or it could just mean doing something to educate myself and elevate the knowledge and or the skills that I already have. So that's something to also think about in the coming year that that may help you in terms of job and career and that kind of thing at this point, something that can help to advance or elevate what you have to offer um, is going to probably be very instrumental or key in finding the right thing or finding something that is really success for you. All right. Sounds pretty good. And, you know, the, the 11 can correspond to both the strength card and the justice card. Um, for me, it's more the justice card. And so there's a sense of ultimately the justice card is about finding our truth and being willing to live it. So it's like being authentic, living in integrity and doing what we know is the right thing with a capital R for ourselves. So even though you say, this is just a job to pay the bills. Um, there still seems to be an emphasis in the coming year of finding work that also 
resonates and represents who you are rather than something that isn't a true reflection of yourself. Okay. And it's, it's, you know, it would also make me wonder, is there, because when a lot of times when somebody says this is a job just to pay the bills, is there something else that you do that you are like trying to build or something and therefore you're just wanting a job to pay the bills while you're getting that going? Yeah, well, I have a background in uh, health uh, insurance, so I would love to actually get a dream job doing doing, uh, health insurance. But in the meantime, I don't mind doing something in custom service or I don't mind doing the administrative uh, temp assignment. So I'm pretty much open. So so why are you not going after the dream job? Because I don't think it's uh, here as of yet. Um, <laughs> I've been looking online. I have not found the, the dream job yet. But it's coming up, and I don't think it's available as of now. To me, that would be very true that it is coming, Um, and I'll say this for two reasons. One, uh, if we look astrologically, just in the broader sense of things, obviously we're not looking like it's your personal chart. Um, At the end of the year, um, there's something called a trine. Uh, That just refers to the positions that the planets are to each other, and it's a Saturn trine Uranus. Um, And so Trines generally are always very beneficial. And this particular trine uh, says two things. One, patience pays off. We're likely to see results and rewards from things that we have had patience, perseverance, discipline, and focus around. So if we've been putting in the work, if we have been putting in the effort, if we have had the patience and taken the time to allow it to come to fruition. And that can both mean not giving up on a dream. uh, And it can also mean that we have continued to be diligent and perseverant in pursuing, even if to take another job, let's say, in, in an interim time period, we don't stop putting in the effort to look for something. And if we have been doing that, November, December is a time frame when we are likely to see that pay off for us in some way. That's mostly the Saturn part of things. The Uranus part of things, which is a planet of chaos, um, it's also a planet of evolution, but it's a planet of the unexpected and the surprise and the sudden. It can say that this this payoff, whatever it is, however it comes, there may be some expected or surprise aspect to it. So it may come from an unexpected source. It may come in an unexpected form, maybe surprise timing in some way. What that means is we need to be very open and receptive to taking advantage of that when it happens, rather than trying to force it back to being on our timetable or the way that we thought it should have looked. Uh, And whether that means we suddenly get a call out of the blue from someplace that we applied for eight months ago, and now they're saying they have a position open, and even though previously we weren't right for what we opened, this would be the thing that seems to match everything that we have on our resume or whatever. Um, Or whether that means that we had just started a new job in September, and now here's this other job opportunity that suddenly opens up, and it's like either I leave someplace, you know, having been there only like three months, um, or I feel like I'm too, you know, loyal to a place and I can't do that to somebody. And so I try to, 
to put off or, or delay in some way what this opportunity might have been, it probably won't wait around. I'll just warn you with that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to go with the flow. So I know whatever I do now is only temporarily. Okay, and number two, I am going to get my dream job. <laughs> well, but this is this is also where, um, in terms of the two things that you asked about, the 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 temp agency kind of idea probably plays into this a little more because that it means that you're not necessarily locked into something long term. So when an opportunity arises, you're able to more easily jump on it and take advantage of it because you don't feel so stuck in or obligated to something else that you might have taken. Um, and, you know, the, the cards for both of the options that you had given initially weren't really overly promising. But then when you said this idea about the health insurance thing, yes. I pulled cards for that option as well. And these are like amazing cards. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. But the first card that came up for that option is the eight of pentacles. And that, it, that directly reflects what I just said, because eight of pentacles is is the card of like nose to the grindstone. It's like putting in the everyday work. It's sticking with something. Um, and yeah. then we know that it's going to pay off for us mm -hmm. as a result of doing that. So I don't want you to step away from continuing to put effort and energy into finding that dream job now, it's more important and more crucial that you make that a priority. Even if that means you have to sign up with a temp agency or something to have something to pay the bills for the moment, um, this says that it's going to pay off and it probably isn't going to be all that far away. Because for me, because I have two cards here, and so the first card is in short term, which means it's in the near term, but the long-term card is the Queen of Pentacles. And this is an amazing card because it says, first, it's a queen, so it's a female, so it can reflect you directly. But Queen of Pentacles is like this idea of uh, manifesting everything that I've set my efforts and, and attention to. It's, you know, queens are like the mother figure. So it's like I've been able to birth into being my vision and make it real because of the suit of Pentacles. So it seems to be coming, and the fact that both of these are the suit of pentacles, pentacles for me, um, represents the season of fall. So there seems to be a lot here. Eight of pentacles would be the eighth week of fall. And that would say, so if we think of fall as starting around the fall equinox, um, which is around September 20th, if we go eight weeks out from there, then we arrive at the latter part of November. And that ah. is... Perfect because that is right in the middle of that trine energy. So it seems as if there's something that's really going to start paying off for you around that November, December timeframe. I would just pay attention because it may come in a surprising or unexpected way. Um, whatever, you know, whether that's the form or the place, it may be unexpected in that you suddenly get a job offer, but it means you now have to move across the country. Um, you know, so it's anything that can be surprising or unexpected in that way. And we want you to be open to that, ready for that, but also know that's happening as a result of what you have been doing. It's not just I sit back and wait for it. I have to be part of the process. Um, yeah. You applying, you continuing to make the dream job the top priority on your list even though there may be other things that you have to take momentarily in order to pay the bills, 
it all stimulates and and plays into the energy of this coming to fruition. Uh, and while it takes a little bit of time, I think that you're very, very close to the time when you're going to start seeing the fruits of your labors appearing. Um, and so just make sure you're not so locked into or obligated into something that you would have to actually give up on or say no to an opportunity that might come somewhat unexpectedly. All right. Okay. All right. Well, I will replay the show. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to take heed into exactly what you just said. And I'm just going to go for that dream job. I'm putting my, I'm currently, I go to a public speaking school. So I'm learning to become a, become a, I'm learning to uh, become a master at public speaking. I have a little way to go, but my teacher thinks that I'm going to be an expert. So he said, so that's my well, goal. I mean, so well, and that goes back to the, the 11 year, because this is the year that you're going into is the year when you have the ability to really master that to really kind of see that to completion and and experience the results of that the rewards of that the you know what can come about from having invested in yourself to do that in this school and then what comes as a result of having made that investment in yourself um the 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 one thing i'm going to also offer is it's just a little magical advice, (laughs) Um, is I would recommend, and you can do this one of two ways, either get a whole bunch of small brown candles. Um, There's like little, oftentimes they're called spell candles, but they're like chime candles, you know, and they're just these little skinny candles. Um, They burn out really quickly. They they, they maybe last like three hours or something. Um, So you could do that, or you can get like a large brown candle. That's fine. And then one thing that you would do is you would carve into that candle what it is that you want. So here what we're doing is we're carving your dream job. And the reason why we're using brown is because brown is the color of earth. So the, what we're doing is we're, we're stimulating and creating and manifesting something that is going to be solid and real it's going to be viable and sustainable for the long term. That's going to provide us a sense of stability and security. So carve, you know, and, and it's okay if you, if, if you just carve in there, like, um, uh, you know, working in the health insurance field or whatever, that's fine. Just whatever would represent, because we're just carving something to connect the candle directly to what your dream job is. You can you can enhance it if you want. Um, if you want to put a little bit of cinnamon in there, that would be good. And you can either sprinkle that on the top of a candle, um, or if the if it's not like in glass or anything, you could put oil like olive oil around the outside of the candle and then roll it in cinnamon. Um, I would also, uh, if you can, get a magnet and have it sitting next to the candle because that's going to be part of that attraction and pulling towards you that dream job and also pulling you towards it. Um, It's creating the attractive force for it to come. Um, Set it in a place, create a, a, it doesn't have to be a large space. It can just be a little corner or something, but, you know, set it in a space that you're going to basically consecrate as only dedicated to this. 
so you don't walk in and throw your keys down next to it or whatever. It's just a little space, you know, and you could have a little corner of a dresser where you just put a little cloth and put the candle on it so that you just have that demarcation with the, the cloth and you know nothing goes on that cloth that isn't related to this. Um, and you can add other things there, but it would be, anything you put there is going to represent your dream job. So whether it's um, pictures of, of companies that would, you know, it could be their logos or business cards from places or something like that. Um, anything that would represent that dream job, you would put there. It's, it's kind of like having a, an altar that's a vision board. <laughs> um, so anything that represents the dream job to you is what you would put there. Uh, and then um, you're going to light it every Saturday. Every Saturday. Okay. And have something to say every time that you light it and write that down so it's the same thing that you say every time. Um, and what you're going to say is you're basically stating your intention or your wish or whatever you want to call it um, so that you say, you know, as I light this candle, may my dream job come. May I, may I be open and ready and may it both pay the bills and be fun. You know, so that's just an example. You don't have to say that. I mean, you can come up with your own words. But, you know, what, what I'm illustrating is you're building into what you say, what you want that job to represent and to be for you. So some people want to be able to have fun at their job while also having it pay the bills. Other people may just look at it as, you know, I want this to be my career, but I have a great time over here. I just want it to give me the income I need in order to have fun in other parts of my life. So, but however you want to phrase that is fine, but just preferably if you can light the candle at the same time every day on Saturdays. Um, and if you're going to extinguish it, extinguish it at the same time. So it's like, okay, I get up at eight o'clock, I light the candle, I say what I'm going to say, I extinguish it at nine o'clock and I get on with my day. Oh, look, now we're rhyming everything. Um, so, uh, you know, so just think about how you can structure that that'll work for you. Oh. And you're going to do that until the job manifests. Mm -hmm. I like this. <laughs> so let me just so that's, what was your question? I was going to say, so just to be confirmed, light the candle every day at the, I mean, every Saturday at the same time. So if I get up at 8, light it at 8, and then if I go to bed at 9, uh, turn it off at 9? Well, no, you don't, you don't have to leave it. I mean, if you're going to leave the house, that wouldn't necessarily be safe, yeah. now would it? Um, no, I just meant 9 in the morning. <laughs> you oh, know, so if you, if you know that you get up at 8 and then, you know, by 9 o'clock you've had your breakfast and taken your shower and now you're going to go out and get on with your day, that's fine. You would just use that as the, the, the way that you mark when you light and extinguish the candle. Okay. All and if right. it's for 15 minutes, it's for 15 minutes. If it's for an hour, it's for an hour. If it's all day, but just know that whatever you start to do, you're going to do it consistently. So don't leave it burning all day the first time. And then the next time it's like, oh, I can only leave this burning an hour. Think about how you generally go about Saturdays and just set it up so that you're doing it in some way that works for you to do it the same way consistently. All right, so I kind of, all right, so I'm going to buy the Kanzu actually actually this Saturday. Now I'll start on the process. All right, and the reason we're doing Saturday is because that's the day of Saturn. So there's two reasons for that. Saturn is about um, accomplishment, it's manifestation, it's achieving the highest level of something. Um, but it's also 
uh, ties into that trine at the end of the year because Saturn is a big player in that Saturn trine Uranus. So that's why we're doing Saturdays. All right. Well, I'm very delighted. I'm very, very happy. Oh, wow. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, so I'll keep you abreast to uh, what comes up. I know I'm going to get that dream job. I'm just, I'm just like shocked because <laughs> I was going to actually wait until um, November to start looking. So what I'll do is start looking probably mid October, go until the end of the new year. Well, why can't you start now? All right, start. All right, okay. I'll start now. I don't know why you keep. Because yeah. the because if, if November, December is when the surprise element comes in that brings about the result, we don't want to be waiting until the day before that to try to start generating. So All if you right, can I start see. now, you're really setting in motion and creating a lot more opportunity to be able to come about then. Because think of it, it's another quarter of the year. And so if you start now, people may say, well, we don't have anything right now, but the fact that they have seen your resume or somehow talked to you or remember you in some way means that in that last quarter of the year, when they're putting the budget together for the new year, they start reaching out to people that they remember. And they're not going to do that if you've just sent your resume in the day before. Oh, no. Okay. I'll start, I'll start looking now. All right. Wow. Okay. Thank you so much. All right. You're welcome. All right. Thank you. You're welcome. Enjoy. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And we're going to go to one last caller. And this is going to be a caller who is calling from area code 252. So um, give me one second. There's just a little technical thing here so I can bring you in. And I will do that ever so quickly. There we are. Okay. Um, so there you are. All right. Are you there, area code 252? Hello? Yes. Oh, okay, good. It worked. It worked. <laughs> <laughs> well, first of all, thank you for calling in. What's your name and where are you calling from? My name is Keisha from North Carolina. All right. Well, welcome, Keisha. And what is it that we could look at in a reading for you? Can I just have a general, whatever you pick up on? So what's the um, day and month oh, of your birth? Okay. 12977. <laughs> 129? Yes. All right. Seven, seven. Mm-hmm. All right. So you're in a, a three-year, and three is a number of fertility. It's a number of creativity. It's a number of creation or birth. Uh, now, sometimes that can be literal. <laughs> so if you're wanting to get pregnant, this can be a really good year to do it. If you're not wanting to get pregnant, you might want to just pay extra attention to precaution. <laughs> um, but it also can be symbolic in the sense that Things that have been kind of gestating, like if you've had ideas that you've been thinking about or something you've been um, laying the groundwork for, this is the year to start bringing it into being, to, to make it real, to, to push it out, if you will. You know, and if we think of birth, for example, then there are labor pains. And, um, but what happens with labor pains is they are horrible to go through in the process. 
But afterwards, the result that comes from them causes us to completely forget about what they felt like and feels like it was totally worth it. So even though there may be some challenges or, or you know, quote unquote, labor pains to trying to push something out into the world, if you're willing to go through that process and not back away from it because we just want it to be easy um, or we want somebody else to do it for us, then you're going to find that what comes about from that you're going to feel was totally worth it. Okay. Um, the card that represents this year for you is called the hanged man. And one thing that that represents is um, it's like a 180 degree shift in some way. So there may be something that, you know, we may feel that our life takes a 180 degree turn. We may feel that it's time to suddenly do something in an opposite way to think about or to look at something in a totally opposite way or to approach it in a whole different way. Um, and the willingness to do that is not only going to shift our perspective, but it's going to shift the energy because it's going to come at it from a whole different direction, which is going to create things from that that we hadn't either been able to do before. We might have felt frustrated, like, why do I keep trying to do this and it doesn't work? Well, mm -hmm. stop trying to do it the same way. Right. If we do it an opposite way, we may suddenly see results. And here I would go back to what I was saying with the astrology, too. We may start to see things happen in surprising or unexpected ways, but because we're willing to shift or approach it from a whole different way. Um, the, you know, the hangman card can be about sacrifice and surrender. I mean, there may be some sacrifices we need to make in order for what we really want to be able to happen or to come in. But again, yeah. there's a sense that the sacrifices will be worth it. And it opens up the space for what we've been saying we want or what we've been trying to create. And we may find that once we clear the space by sacrificing, so think of it like cleaning out the clutter. Once we've cleaned out the closet and actually gotten rid of the things that we don't need anymore, we suddenly open up the space. And what we've been wanting may actually be right outside the door and come in fairly quickly. It may have felt like it's taken forever, but it'll happen very quickly because all of a sudden we've created space for it to actually be able to come in rather than it being crowded out and not having the opportunity to be part of our life. So that willingness to clean and clear out some things this year is going to be really important to recognize what's no longer serving you, what's no longer good for us, healthy for us or just what has served its purpose and no longer has anything left to offer. Instead of keeping it around out of habit, this is the time to finally say, it's time for this to go. It's time for me to shed. It's time for me to remove this rather than letting it linger and just stick around. Um, and that's, you know, reflected in the cards that came up too, because we immediately start with the six of cups reversed. And this says, we may have some sort of longing or nostalgia for the past, but we have to recognize that we can't go backwards and that we can't recreate or recapture the past. So if we can stop trying to recreate or recapture the past and actually just look forward and try to create something new, we'll find that we are much more successful in bringing things about in our life. And we'll find we're much more um, satisfied with them because we're not holding them up to a comparison to what was before versus we're letting them be what they are in and of themselves 
rather than hoping they're going to be like something before. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this immediately goes to the, the, the shedding, the sacrificing, the clearing, etc. And part of that says it's time to clear the past. It's time to shed some things that maybe we've been holding on to, hoping they might come back the way they used to be or something like that. That's going to be a very crucial step that's going to really pay off for you because the card that follows that is called the emperor and the emperor is when things really starts to stabilize and when we feel as if we're back on solid ground and that we feel like we're more in control of things Um, but it's because we stop giving power away to the past and to other things hoping they're going to change or become like they used to be and we say whoop then that's done. Nope, that's not going to happen. I need to let that go. It's time for me to start creating a new kingdom for myself. You know, it's time for me to start creating a new life for myself rather than living in an old life or trying to recapture an old life in some way. And the emperor says the buck stops here. So you have to step up and say, I have to take responsibility. I have to take ownership for this. I have to stop waiting for other people to change, putting it in other people's hands, I have to be the one who makes the decisions and starts to put these things in place. If everybody isn't happy with that, that's fine. If they can't deal with that, they may be part of what we shed and what goes away. But it means we're in a stronger position ourselves because we have created the kind of world we need to be in. And we're the ones who are in charge of our own life because we're taking ownership and responsibility for it. Right. Um, And, you know, part of this theme is reiterated because there's also the five of cups is reversed. That's literally the card of letting go of the past. Um, But it says that there is something better waiting for us if we just believe that there is. If, if If we keep looking at what has happened that has caused upset, then we just keep repeating a story and defining ourselves by the upset. But if we can stop, you know, I was just, thinking about this earlier today um, with someone. Um, It's time to stop telling the stories about what happened. We're not denying that it happened. We're not making excuses for something. But, you know, if somebody did something wrong to us two years ago, and we still tell that story to people, we keep feeding that story. And we, because every time we do, we're making it a reality of the present. And it doesn't get to just be something in the past. And so it's time to watch, what do I talk about? What do I complain about? Um, You know, what do I use to define myself? Do I always try to put myself in the position of victim or the, the scorned or the hurt person or whatever? It's time to stop doing that and say, it's time for me to start writing new stories that represent what I want the future to look like, rather than telling the stories of what has happened in the past so that they start to lose their energy and dissipate and disappear and open up that space for the future and the new to actually be able to start coming into being. Mm-hmm. So yeah. make a make a pact with yourself that, you know, past disappointments, past hurts, past upsets, past mistakes, whatever those are, make a pact with yourself that, from today forward, you are no longer going to talk about them so that yeah, they start to just become. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. I know what you're well, 
you know, and, and doing that is going to really pay off for you because in the short term, which is for me, the next one to three months, we have what's called the Knight of Cups. And this is a card that says, if we can just step into the current that flows forward, rather than constantly swimming against the current, because we're so focused on the past, we'll stop feeling so exhausted. And if we can just allow things to happen and go with the way that they open up for us, rather than waiting until we know how it's going to look at the end or going against the current, if you will, we're going to find that we end up in the right place and that we feel much more satisfied with the way things are. Um, so stop swimming upstream. And just, I would say with like a card like this, just relax in the inner tube and let the stream take you where it needs to. Okay. So we don't have to keep paddling. We don't have to keep trying. We don't have to keep assuming we know. And we don't have to be afraid of getting into the water. That's the other thing that can happen is we stay on land because we're afraid of not knowing where that current or that stream may take us. So we stay on land thinking somehow it's safer um, because it's more familiar or it's more comfortable uh, in some way. And that's not really the case. That's just an illusion that we're creating for ourselves. Um, and some of this is probably very clear to you or becoming very clear because another astrological thing, Neptune is retrograde right now. And that's through November. There's two things that can happen. One, either. So Neptune is a planet of like confusion, fogginess, um, illusion can also be a planet of, of like addictions and excess and um, that escapism. Um, when it goes retrograde, it either can be a period when the fog lifts, the confusion turns to clarity, and we are no longer able to maintain the illusions that we have been creating for ourselves and trying to live in. So we start to see the truth of the reality of things, or we start to have clarity of thought of, I know now what I need to do, and there's no way to, to twist that around in any way or to deny it in some way. That clarity is there for us. The key is that we then take action on that clarity and act in that reality rather than falling prey to going back to the escapism, back into the illusion. Um, because the other side of things is some of what we've seen too. If, if we're prone to things like addiction or illusion, Neptune retrograde can actually exacerbate that because the people that are kind of on the edge um, will suddenly slip over the edge and then act in extreme ways. And we have to pay attention to how we might do that so that we can stay conscientious about not allowing ourselves to do that. Um, right. But really pay attention to the the clarity that you have around things and the reality that you see and the truth that you see revealed around things um, because it's saying it's now time to act on those things, to not live in the illusion of the past versus live in the reality of the present so that you can start actually moving forward to create what you want in the future rather than it just being this repeating cycle. Mm -hmm. No, I totally agree with you. Um, and if you can start doing that now, actually the Knight of Cups 
technically is the card of Scorpio. Um, and so that would say that if you can start doing some of those things, I like where I said, make a pact today to start watching how many times you refer to the past and use past events to somehow justify or excuse or define or something like that, or compare to what's happening now, hoping that something now might live up to the way something was in the past. If you can start doing those things now, this would say that by end of October, early November, you would feel like there's been a big shift and I feel like I'm actually moving forward and I'm feeling more optimistic about where I'm going rather than still feeling so obsessed and upset about where I've come from. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I've been doing that for the past week already. So I don't know. I don't, That's good. I was just thinking that where was this change coming from? I started looking at stuff like stuff in a real like how I should have been thinking, I could for the life of me couldn't get out of that, get out of that obsession or whatever that was kept on repeating in my background. So, mm-hmm. but like within the past couple of weeks, like things starting to shift, like you said, and I started to kind of say, okay, I got to go in this direction because I had to start letting go of a lot of stuff that happened and stop talking about it because it's not going to do that. It's just, like you said, just keep, it's just, it's just stirring the pot up more and then people are taking advantage of it. And it's been dead. It's 20, 20 years past it. And they're there. They keep on, you know, they have to reinvestigate for no reason. It's just it's a dead situation. I think it's dead, but, you know. Right. But, so you know, I, have to, I, have to, I have to get away, just bury the whole thing. I don't even want to see nothing come back from the past. Listen, right. so, it messed up. We messed up. Um, I messed up. I messed up. So just go away. Well, that, that's okay. And, yeah. <laughs> you know, accept, accept that you made a mistake. That's fine. But yeah. we don't have to keep rehashing it and reliving it and then feel as if we're defined by that mistake. Um, and so I'm going to give you a suggestion to do. Uh, instead of ever speaking of it again, I want you to sit down and I want you to actually write it out on paper, the the story of what it is that the past is that you would retell. And then you're going to take that piece of paper um, and you're going to, if you have a red pen, then take a red pen and like draw lines through it or draw the circle with the slash, you know, like the prohibited symbol Um, so write that on a piece of paper and then you're going to fold it but what you do is you every time you fold it you fold it away from you because it's the idea that it's going away from you so if the paper is sitting in front of you you take the bottom of the paper and you fold it in half towards the top and then you turn it counterclockwise once and you fold it again from bottom to top and then you turn it counterclockwise again and you turn it uh, and you fold it bottom to top Um, And then you're going to take that piece of paper and you're going to go out to a cemetery and you're going to bury that piece of paper in the dirt of the cemetery. Not by somebody you know. (laughs) Um, Because we want this to be away from you. You Go to a cemetery where you don't know anybody that's buried there or whatever. um, Now, traditionally, a lot of people would say, you might leave an offering of, of some sort, like, and you can just take like a dime or something and, and bury that with it. Um, but you're going to bury it. And when you bury it, 
You're then going to get up, so you're going to actually put it in the ground and cover it. Uh, and so now it's dead. We're going to let it rest in peace. It's buried and it's gone. And when you leave, you're going to get up, you're going to turn your back on it, and you're going to walk away so that you never look at it as you leave. So make sure that your car or whatever is parked in a direction that you can walk away and drive away where you don't actually look back in the direction of where you buried that piece of paper. And from then on, it means it's dead, it's buried, it's gone. And so you never speak of it again. Okay. And then I would say that if you can do that and then start to really live by that of, okay, I'm never going to speak of this again, et cetera. By October, end of October, November, you're really going to start to feel the difference and you're really going to start to see things beginning to shift and change and flow for you in your life differently um, and in a way that feels more satisfying and pleasing. All right. All right. Sounds good. Okay. Well, thank you very much for calling in. Thank you for meeting me. You have a blessed night. You too. Enjoy. And that's going to bring us to the close of our show. I want to thank everyone for listening. I want to thank my guest um, earlier, Janine Taito Hagel, um, for her, I find, very interesting combination of uh, a divinatory tool of runes along with herbs and herbology. I love working with herbs. Um, and so hopefully you've been able to learn some things from that. And also hopefully from our rune of the month on Seuss for the Living the Queer Life segment that you have also been able to, to take some tips from that about how to move through the next month in the most successful, fulfilling, and authentic way possible. So my name is Hi C. And again, you can find information about me and the readings and services that I offer at tarotbyhighc.net, or you can find me on Facebook at tarotbyhighc, or just go to facebook.com slash tarotbyhighc. You can also email me, highc, H-I-C, at tarotbyhighc.net. This is the Amethyst Oracle. You can also find us on Facebook as well. And I will look forward to being with you again next month. Uh, Amethyst Oracle airs on the second Tuesday of each month. I also have another show, Revolution, which airs on the second Sunday of each month, and that will be coming up this coming Sunday at 10.30 a.m. Pacific. And I would encourage you to consider checking that show out because the topic and the guests that I will be talking to are about magic and mental health and how we can use magic and magical practices to actually support and work with mental health issues. So join the revolution uh, on Sunday uh, at 10.30 a.m. This is the Amethyst Historical. My name is Hi-C. Have an amazing evening, and we will see you next time. The Amethyst, the Amethyst Oracle. Oracle. Divination with a Divination queer twist. Divination with a queer twist. The Amethyst Oracle. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed the show. Please join us next time for Revolution with Heisey Lutmers, Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m.